millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Welcome to Listen Now, the podcast where we go through the back catalogues of some of the most important and rockinest bands of all time, starting with Australian pub rock legends Cold Chisel. With me, as always, is my co-host Sam Tonkin. Welcome, Sam. G'day, g'day. What a pleasure to have you in. Thank you. On always. your show. You are welcome. <laughs> uh, today, I'm excited to talk about this. is This is maybe the big album. Yeah, I think so. I think in terms of sales, it's probably their biggest ever. Uh, yeah, and pretty much the whole thing is hits. Yeah, it's like its own greatest hits album. It's called East, and it was Cold Chisel's third album. What have you been doing last week? You've been chiseling it up? Chiseling. Chiseling for days. Yeah, yeah. Getting the tool shed. Oh, yeah. Chisel away. Oh, right. I see. And by that, I mean working. Working. <laughs> and listening to anything in particular now? Uh, been listening now. Okay. To Cold Chisel. Okay, great choice. <laughs> This, I think because this, this one's so many hits on it. It's um, uh, seriously like nearly the whole thing is just banger after banger. Because I think I mentioned earlier in the series that I I didn't know most of Cold Chisel's back catalogue. I knew their greatest hits, mm-hmm. but this album was the kind of album where I, I even non singles are sort of still hits. They're some still of them, on there, yeah. yeah. So it's pretty amazing. I found a cool article if you want to just get cracking straight into it. Straight into it. Uh, it's by a man called Trevor, which I appreciate. Your boy Trev. And it's on a website called sounddistractions.com. Mm. Well, let, let me let Trevor take it from here. Go, Trevor. He said, uh, the problem for Chisel in the early days, so this is their third album. They've had rising success with their first two albums. But they also hated both of their first albums. Yeah, they didn't They didn't think it captured what they were going for. They yeah. didn't think it got the live, the live, live the energy. energy. Yeah. And we, yeah, well, we both uh, enjoyed both those albums. Me yeah. more than you, based on our scoring system. Yes. I reckon Which... Breakfast at Sweet Ass is awesome. You reckon? Even though I've I've been I've been listening to Jimmy Barnes's book, yeah, yes. I'm in the modern age. I listen to books now. <laughs> <laughs> what a millennial! But it's pretty cool because he he reads it himself mm. and he does all the voices. It's pretty wild stuff. He's got a great <laughs> Irish accent. He does for a manager at some point and uh, a Steve Presswich's. Uh, Liverpool, Liverpool accent, all that sort of stuff. It's pretty fun. But yeah, so I, I think I got a bit of a better understanding of why he wasn't happy with uh, Breakfast at Sweethearts. I mm. think a big part of it was that the producer was just a real arsehole. Yep. He made it sound like they'd come in and like, hey, mate, how's it going? And he'd be like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> like, ugh. What was his? No, my favorite quote about him was um, he called, he said he's a bad-tempered cunt. Actually, don't say that. Don't say he was bad-tempered. Yeah. <laughs> Savage. Savage. <laughs> Get some ice Cop for that, that Richard. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. Richard something. Yeah, Richard old mate. <laughs> old it. mate dick. Anyway, so Trevor <laughs> uh, writes, the problem for Chisel in the early days was despite their impressive live reputation and following, the music media landscape in the 70s was dominated by top 40 AM radio 
and it was never going to touch something as wild and dangerous as Cold Chisel. All of that changed with the release of their third album, East. It's funny because the Breakfast at Sweethearts did make the top five on the charts, mm. but it still didn't get didn't really get much radio play. No. So that's just all based on live reputation, I guess, yeah. in the main. Uh, Trevor goes on to say, Chisel knew they needed airplay, but they were never going to compromise on their hard-rocking R&B roots to achieve it. Their self-titled debut and its follow-up, Breakfast at Sweethearts, initially sold reasonably well, but with no airplay, they were only preaching to the converted. It wasn't until they broke through with East uh, that earlier songs like K-San and Breakfast at Sweethearts later became radio staples. Which is interesting, right, because we, we, we grew up in the post-East mm. world. Post-East. I actually, re- reading the or listening to the book, I found out he they actually did they broke up before I was born. So their whole existence only <laughs> there was before I was born, and, yeah. the, and then they did play their farewell tour was going when I was born, I think. Shit. So I'm in a in a lot of ways, Jimmy Barnes is my dad. Yeah, I mean that's the most obvious <laughs> conclusion to draw. <laughs> Don Walker's my creepy uncle. Cre- well, cool uncle, I'd say. Yeah, no, that's probably fair. Cop that, Don. <laughs> Creepy Sorry, Don. uncle. <laughs> He'll never listen to this. I think this. you're thinking of Steve Prestwich. <laughs> uh, in November 1979, Chisel released the first single from their forthcoming album, East. As the principal songwriter for the band, Don Walker had been working tirelessly to come up with a bunch of songs that radio would play. Choir Girl was his breakthrough. With its gorgeous melodic piano intro and catchy chorus, the song could have been any one of a ton of songs getting airplay at the time. Jeez, that's not high praise, is it? Yeah, bloody hell. (laughs) It is is a great tune. That's interesting. That was the one that got him him through the door. Yeah, and it's funny because the actual meaning behind it, not a whole lot of people Yeah, people weren't aware of it at the time. Yeah. They sort of thought it was a just a song about doctors and nurses or something, right? Mm, or or refugees, because apparently in um, Jimmy's book he talks about um, so refugees were being talked about on the radio all the time. So the the you know chorus crying like a refugee, people thought it was about refugees right, the thing as about, well. Literally. Yeah, crying like a refugee because mm-hmm. she's a refugee. Mm. What a that's a funny lyric for Don Walker to write. Yeah, it's about a refugee, and she's crying like a like refugee. refugee. No, so it's actually What's, what is the line uh, looking like a uh, looking like a choir girl. Okay, that's crying the like title a refugee. There. <laughs> um, but it's actually about a young girl getting an abortion. Yes. So the the whole meaning behind the song was completely missed, and they um, they never really kind of spoke about it until much later. Right. Afterwards, as to its true I, meaning. I wonder how that would have affected its radio play. Mm. So choir girl was his breakthrough. Mm-hmm. Um, super catchy chorus. And got a lot of airplay at the time. Uh, what Trevor says sets Choir Girl apart uh, as one of the most soulful vocal performances by Jimmy Barnes mm. um, with some wonderful harmonising from Ian Moss. That's that sweet. <sighs> when you've got the the honey and gravel mm-hmm. of Jimmy Barnes mixed with the honey of Mossy. The pure honey. When Maple you, syrup. You end up with that honey gravel honey. <laughs> what and a that's sandwich. The, that's the secret of the success, a little honey sandwich. <laughs> Bit of gravel in between a chew on. Um, there's so much feeling in Barnes' restrained delivery that he taps into the emotional core of the song and makes every word count. Uh, yeah. So this uh, says, and that's where the song gets really interesting because Don Walker was never going to write a simple sing-along pop song just to get radio airplay. Mm. Here's some of the lyrics. 
one nurse to hold her, one nurse to wheel her down the corridors of healing. And I've been trying, but she's crying like a refugee. Poetry. Mm-hmm. Don set, Walker. Set to Aussie pub rock. Yeah. Balladry. Balladry. Uh, so, yeah, they, they're getting the high rotation. Apparently right across the country at the time, including on Sydney's 2SM and Melbourne's 3XY. Classic stations. Oh, uh, yeah. They definitely still was exist. It, was it pre-FM? When did FM come in? That's a good question. I'm going to look that up. Because it's just you, AM radio is now basically all talk back and easy listening. No one's going there for, you know, like, new bands aren't striving to get airplay on AM Mm-mm. necessarily. So FM broadcasting in Australia uh, started in Australian capital cities on an experimental basis in 1947. Okay. <laughs> so they just snuck it in. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the producer of the album was Mark Oppitz, and it's the first time that the band members were actually happy with the production of the album. Yes. Um, they sort of see it as a, as a big turning point. I've actually got a little clip of Jimmy Barnes talking uh, from the, I don't know, it's the NFSA, which is like a, a government-funded bank of um, audio and visual Oh, yeah. Stuff. I think we spoke about that in an earlier episode, and it's the... Some of the uh, case Anne was saved into it as part of the historical. Oh, yeah, that's archives. right. Well, th- this is a little in, uh, clip of an interview that, uh, of Jimmy Barnes talking about East uh, last year. The big turning point there was we met Mark Opitz. You know, I mean, Don Don's songwriting took a quantum leap around that period. You know, I mean, he that that exploring the outsider. You know, that that thing that he started doing. You know, way back live became, you know, a prominent thing in his songwriting, standing on the outside, I don't know, tomorrow, you know, uh, Four Walls. These were songs about outsiders. And 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 Don was writing them as, as an observer, but I, I was singing them as, as, as an outsider. I was singing it, and I didn't know why I didn't really think about it, but I connected so much to Don's songs because I felt they were about me. That's that's the way I, you know, I felt like I was always standing on the outside looking in. I felt like I didn't want to know about them or I just, you know, I wanted to cut loose and, and forget everything. I felt like I was being caged up. And and these songs, you know, Don was writing them with, and, 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 I, and I just, I felt them. <laughs> so they, that, that moment, that time and that period of, of Don's songwriting and our recording was pivotal in changing my life. It's such an eye-opener having listened to... Uh, Barnsley's book mm. uh, over the last week or so. And here, like, his childhood was brutal. Pretty. And he talks up. about it basically he's, he has arrested development and he thinks he's stopped emotionally developing yeah. at, like, the age of four or something. Yeah. And that's what led to a lot of his partying type problems with booze and um All of his drugs. addiction issues, yeah. Yeah. Um, he kind of reiterates... Or I suppose the book, that interview was reiterating what he says in the book about um, this album in particular is... Um, Don talks, uh, or all of Don's songs are trying to understand these outsiders and misfits. And then Jimmy says, uh, when Don presented Standing on the Outside to the band, I felt like it was, I was singing a a song that came from somewhere deep inside my soul. And Star Hotel, I think Star Hotel is about a um, riot or something that went on. Yeah. But um, he also says that it let Jimmy saying, it let me sing about not being good enough, not being wanted or worth anything and wanting to tear the world down because of it. So it's pretty, it sounds like, you know, Don's trying to understand, writing, trying to understand, yeah, misfits and outsiders, and it's hitting Jimmy right in the Yeah, isn't it interesting? he is feeling as if he is the outsider and the misfit. Yeah, I think, yeah, I wonder if that's what, because um, Jimmy has said in his book a bit that they the band always f- forgave him. He'd play up mm. a lot, 
and um but they were sort of like a family you know you'd you'd have fights and come back together yeah and then and you wonder like because don what's does sound like you're so interested in in like these character studies mm. you got an up close and personal one with a pretty yeah. interesting guy <laughs> yeah. being in a band with jimmy barnes wild uh trevor goes uh on to say east would become cold chisel's most polished and successful studio album mm-hmm. but that didn't mean that the boys were behaving themselves far from it the recording sessions at paradise studios became the stuff of legend as the rock dogs indulged themselves to excess with round-the-clock partying, including the notorious jacuzzi in the studio. So I don't know, have you heard about the jacuzzi in the studio? I didn't know about that. No. I don't like the idea of a, a notorious jacuzzi uh, does not attract me. <laughs> I don't think it, it is. Sounds, imagine being inside, like, <laughs> just warm water. You don't want it that to – that doesn't sound like a nice place. Inside? Oh, I was just they change in the water on the daily, you'd hope. You'd, oh, you'd hope and you – Deep down, you know it wouldn't have happened. It's probably not water by the end of the week, you know. It's just a mix of anything else. But you just, like, <laughs> end up being sort of jelly. You're all oh. set in there. <laughs> You've got to, like, human frog yourself. in the pond. Jim <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the pond. So you had uh, Cheap Wine. That was the an, another one of the big tracks off it, and it was the second single from the album, and that got into the top ten. Then there was My Baby, the third single, mm-hmm. and it was the first – Chisel single that had Mossy on lead vocals. Yes, Mossy. And it, it also became a, a really big hit as well. That Interestingly, so w- when the album was a huge hit in Australia, they saw that as their chance to go and break into America. And their label in Australia was a, a, a part of the Warner Group. So yeah. they Warner got first dibs on the American right. So they, they took them over there. And a big chunk of Barnsley's book is talking about how it was a bit of a disaster. Yeah. Poorly organised. The reps over there didn't really seem to fully get them. No. The the song they chose to release as the lead single in America was My Baby. And his idea to promote it, their rep over there, was to send the single to all the radio stations in the country wrapped in a nappy. He's like, get it? My Baby. Oh, God. You know, it'll, people will remember it. And, the, <laughs> and, he, and it already happened when the band was over there and he was showing them. And they, apparently they were furious. <laughs> like, oh, God. And this was so. This album also, interestingly, was the first album. So you know, we talked about the first two albums were just all Don Walker tracks, apart from oh, like one, one two was feet. co-written on the first, and two were co-written on the second. Mm. This one, every member of the band has a song. Yeah, which is amazing. Like, it, I how often does that happen? I don't think it would happen very often at all. And it also, like the other, um, the songs written outside of of Don Walker were some of the big hits. Like mm. My Baby was written by the bass player Phil Small. So apparently when he saw the nappy, it like broke his heart. He's like, oh, this oh. is, I re- he's really proud of it. Um, Rising Sun was Jimmy. Yep, which is another, it's like on the greatest hits. Mm-hmm. Never Before by Ian, Ian Moss is, that one took me a while to get into it. It's a very different kind of style. I like, see that one, I got into it straight away. Right. Like it's, I really liked it. It just sounds so 80s right from the it start. Does. Even though this is like a, right at the start of the 80s. Yeah. Maybe they invented that sound. Did Mossy invent the 80s sound? Uh, the, the 80s sound. Yeah. And then there was, stand, you know, other other ones, Don Walker standing on the outside, which is a hit as well. And another great album opener. They yes. just do album openers so well. So important. So I had someone ask me during the week, actually, do you think that bands or like how much thought do you think bands have about the order of the songs on an album? Because they asked me about the podcast um, and asked me if I was listening to the albums as they are or on Spotify, like shuffling them. And I said, I'll listen to them as they are because that's yeah. 
how I assumed the band has ordered it on purpose and then was thinking about how so far every single album opener has just been like a hard, fast um, song um, that really introduces you to what you should be expecting for the rest of the album. Um, so I was wondering, yeah, like what what kind of depth goes into the order of songs on an album, do you reckon? Oh, I reckon it, I reckon there must be a lot of work put into that. Yeah. I reckon they used to do – it used to be different. I think these days and probably for quite a while now they tend to just stack the front of the album with the hits. So yeah. You, but back then, like you see this album, I mean the singles come at track three, five and – Seven. So that almost yeah. sounds like it's on. You know, there's a pattern there. But if it was an album today, they would come as tracks one, two, and three. Yeah. Because they're like, I think people are nervous. Maybe producers are nervous about um, people running out of uh, attention span by the back half of the album. Yeah. But yeah, they used to be way more uh, spread out, and and they used to also be two sided records. Like, yeah. So, oh, which yeah. I guess would also make you think about it differently. So there's almost like there's two opening tracks. So I'm just looking at the previous albums as well, and it kind of looks like the first couple of songs per album are fast and then the third or fourth is a slow one Let's again. Let's take it down a notch. <laughs> yeah. That's a, something that Jimmy talks about a lot in his book is that he just he wanted it all be hard and fast all the time. Yeah. He'd spent his time, apparently on stage he'd go to Mossy's amp and turn it up every yeah. time and Mossy <laughs> was always confused. Why is it always so louder? He's like, I just want to I kept louder. going play faster and louder, faster yeah. and louder. And they obviously all clearly didn't necessarily want to do that because no. there's quite a lot of range in their music and – um, and I think that's why early on, I think some of those songs that Mossy sang on, on the first few albums were just tracks that Jimmy Barnes apparently was just like, I don't want to sing Yeah, that. just refused to have yeah. a part in because it wasn't his style. It was slower or a different style or whatever, so that's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, but there, there's all these album tracks that ended up being kind of hits as well, you know, yeah. like Rising Sun, Standing on the Outside, Star Hotel uh, and Ida, mm-hmm. which is Ida is a, a banging tune. I, I reckon it's, yeah, definitely one of my favourites on the album. It's is about. It? Ida Buttress, I think it's just a just a near perfect pop rock song. Excellent, I love it so much. We'll I, talk about later what we'll our go, favorite. We'll go into it later. Yeah, when we I get through the album. I guess we we could do that. We can do that. I should okay. show a little bit of patience. <laughs> just jump straight in, why don't you? Do you do you know much about the story of the cover? Uh, little bits and pieces of it. So I think they f- uh, took the album cover in the same hotel that they filmed the cheap wine video in. Yep. And it was the headband, I think you were saying before, the headband that Jimmy or the bandana that Jimmy's wearing got in in Japan. Yes, that's right. So, and that's why, he, so the song Rising Sun, which he wrote, mm-hmm. uh, was about his girlfriend, Jane, had. They, they had a tumultuous relationship by the sounds of it in the, the book. Yeah, to say the least. And she basically, she. Her parents were living in Japan at the time. She went to live with them, leaving Jimmy behind because they, you know, they had a fight or what, a falling out or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they were talking a lot on the phone. And then he ended up going over and staying with them for a while. And the parents were real, giving him a hard time. Like her dad's a or her stepdad was a diplomat. Yeah. And Jimmy Barnes is this sort of like. You know, he's a rock and roll misfit guy. Rough as guts. Who also is at the same time in the biggest band in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the <laughs> Jane's, be pretty surreal, Jane's but... dad or stepdad was just like, no. Yeah. He, he, <laughs> and he like made it sound like he was sort of giving him these weird challenges. He, he challenged him to a game of squash. squash. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine Let's being take like it a to the smoker court. drinker and yeah. then go on to play squash. Like in your fittest, I'd probably still have a heart attack. Yeah. 
hard to play squash in leather pants. Oh, Christ almighty. He talks about his leather pants a bit in the book as yeah. if they're just he only ever had one pair of leather pants and he wore them on stage every night. I did set reckon that's true, though. <laughs> it's just one pair. Um, but with the album cover, um, he was – oh, they were firstly, they were trying to um, – they were inspired by the 1973 painting The Death of Marat, Marat by uh, Jacques-Louis David, uh, which I have a picture of and I'll put it up on uh, the link when we oh, get Oh, yeah, you should put them up side to side. Yeah, as a comparison. Um, and, I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's an old painting. Yeah, right. It's, it's, a, it's yeah, a I see the laying, I see the similarity there. Uh, the painting shows the radical journalist lying dead in his bath right. after being after his murder by Charlotte Corday. And the Jimmy Barnes around the Japanese headband is just—he's just like I just came back from Japan with this headband. Yeah, so I, so I chucked it on and everyone loved it. Yeah, which is funny because the painting itself is about the French Revolution. <laughs> yeah, it's like an eye. Just clash of everything. I was wondering about that because there is a you know the Japanese um, motif running through it, but it was all just mm. connected to the one story. Yeah. Rising Sun song and that headband, it was all just from this one trip. That's it, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there's a note in Jimmy's book saying about, it wasn't until about 10 years later that a Japanese fan stopped him after a show and said the headband was upside down. <laughs> oh, yes. In the audio book version, he kind of he does the accent of the oh, no. Japanese fan. Oh, no. Wow, well, it's, it's uh, <laughs> he does all the accents in the book. <laughs> I, yeah, uh, I, yeah, I don't know where to go with that one. <laughs> yeah, it's a the it is a it's a it's a great listen. But yeah, some of that's he really puts everything into it. He sings in the book. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. Um, where can you find the that audio book? You could, you can just any of your sort of online audio book stores. Oh, sick. If they pay us, I'll plug them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hint, hint. So yeah, what what else should we talk about this album? Uh, I can give you a review. Actually, do you want to hear some of a review? Last week we talked about a review by Adrian Zup. Oh yeah. I'll do you make... want to hear his thoughts? Yeah. On this album. Does so... he review all of their albums? Should we review album, uh, which is Adrian Zup reviews? Yeah. Review of the review. Let's review Zup. Zup All right, new podcast idea. <laughs> Zup reviews. Zup reviews. What's up? Oh, yes. Yep. What's up? No one take that. Thank you. One day we get you. Yeah, no one steal <laughs> our idea to review Adrian's Up the Reviewer's Reviews. <laughs> Welcome to What's, what's up, up? Where we review reviewer Adrian Zup's reviews. This week, we're reviewing his review of Cold Chisel's album East. He writes, Cold Chisel's following had been steadily building for a number of years when their third and slickest to date slickest. album, East, broke them through to a wider audience in 1980. More commercial without compromising on the rawness of their roots, the band hit pay dirt with a clutch of songs it seemed everyone could get into. The virtuosity of the Chisel's musical abilities still comes through on songs that were, nevertheless, compact enough to radio ready. Compact enough to be radio ready. The up-tempo loner anthem standing on the outside, the enchanting ballad and breakthrough single Choir Girl and the tongue-in-cheek Eiter all had the hooks to land a sing-along audience. On Star Hotel, the sonic fury of the chorus captures the essence of the subject matter, a wild street battle between angry pub patrons and police that took place in the city of Newcastle, Australia in September of 1979. Yeah, I'd, I'd read about that. 
a bit as well. I think people and probably I always assumed they'd played a show there, mm. but it was a it was a you know it was a song from a story a story song. Zup goes on to say, "What do you think of Zup so far? How do you how do you review his review?" I will give him five Zups out of five. Five so Zups. Far. That's a high Zup count. It's a high Zup. <laughs> What's up? The Zup count. <laughs> the Zup. <laughs> What's up? The Zup. Uh, and the cu- he goes on, the customary all-out rockers are here as well. Rising Sun, singer Jimmy Barnes' Love Lost song about his Asian girlfriend, and the rousing closer, My Turn to Cry. As always, the rhythm section gymnastics of drummer Steve Prestwich and bass- bassist Phil Small provide an alternatively swift and delicate undercurrent for Ian Moss's guitar heroics. The bass is so good. I've just started noticing Phil Small's bass on this. He Yeah, it really comes through on this one. Yeah, it's it's badass. Badass bass. Where was I? Sorry. Uh, Steve Press, which bassist. <laughs> Phil Small provide an alternatively swift and delicate undercurrent for Ian Moss's guitar heroics. Don Walker's exuberant piano playing and Barnes's banshee wails. Banshee. Walker still holds down the job of head songwriter, but the duties are more shared on this album. Five of the 12 tracks were written by the other members of the band, with Barnes penning two and Prestwich, Small and Moss one each. The album peaked at number two on the Australian national charts and even broke into the Billboard 200 in America, with East Cold Chisel signalled that they had moved on up without selling out. The glory days had come at last. Hey. It, yeah, so it, it was huge, and it's, it is sad that it just didn't work in America. They had all these misfitted support slots booked for them. They did a tour with Ted Nugent, and apparently Barnsley said that it doesn't really make sense to him. They thought it was a bit of a weird one. Yeah. Uh, and I think that was the one where walking into the first show, um, he had his hand, He was getting out of the car, he had his hand in the door when Mossy slammed it on his hand. Oh, that's right. Cutting yeah, it over, yeah. so he had his the first show on that tour he had his hand bandaged up and he said that the Ted Nugent crowd just didn't get him they just didn't get him and they sort of ended their set to near silence and Ugh. i imagine they was wondering oh is this a tough crowd or what and then Ted Nugent came out like swimming swinging from a from a rope <laughs> <laughs> and the crowd were just going nuts and like oh, oh dear god that Barnsley's like oh gutting. we need a gimmick yeah yeah <laughs> So they, yeah, which feels like they, they don't really have a gimmick, but, I mean, they, they do have things to hold on to, you know. Like it seems, seems like cold chisel go hand in hand with excess and hard partying and stuff, yeah. although that maybe that's just rock and roll in those days. That's true, actually. Not like now when all businessmen. <laughs> suits know, Suits playing. and ties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's probably some indie bands that do do that. Oh, there totally would be, yeah. The Hives. Well, that's they're like twenty year old band anyway, but oh, yeah, I was about to say, aren't they? <laughs> Two time and touching broken bones. Tune. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a good tune. I give that four zups out of four. <laughs> How many zups out of zup? Yeah, what is a full zup? I give that the full zup. The full zup. So that's his review. I think that's, I think that's a pretty. He sums it all up pretty well there. I think. Hmm. Wow! Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. 
Do you want to maybe start going through track by track? Yeah, we'll give a little bit of a spiel about what some of them are about. Yeah. We haven't actually haven't heard in... Is, if We did hear a little bit of Jimmy before, but what, what are you up to at the moment, Jimmy? Oh, here he comes over oh, the hill. <laughs> I think I is can that, hear I him. I think I can see him. Is that... There he is. Jimmy? <laughs> All right, Jimmy, I'm just going to fade you down. We'll check in with you later. <laughs> Catch up with you later. Let's go through a few of the tracks. Here's the first one. <laughs> I don't remember this one, actually. <laughs> I told you they always open with a strong... <laughs> strong vocals. Strong vocals. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand the screaming like a banshee idea. No, I just... <laughs> Although I, I genuinely don't know what a banshee is, but still. All right. Um, let's go through Let's go through some of the tracks. So like oh, we, we have said... Standing on the outside uh, is an absolute, well, in our opinion, our humble opinion. Yeah, start from the very start. Uh, here we go. Love it. I can do it like, and when we go see him early next year, this is a fight. this is gonna make my hairs on the back of my neck stand up. I gotta find a ticket still. <laughs> Whoa! Ugh, anyone listening? <laughs> anyone listening? Sponsor a child? Poor uni student life. <laughs> I'm laughing, but I'm crying on the inside. That's. That song's badass. That's just a, that's an absolute banger. And it just imagine like you've just bought Cold Chisel's new album. You're pretty keen to sit down and listen to it, and this is the kickoff. You'd yeah. be like, "Fucking yes!" And it builds like a lot of their songs do. It builds, and then that that um, two thirds section, it just you know they often they take it up a notch. Then yeah. track two is the the one Mossy wrote, which I was saying has got that real eighties. Just how eighties does that sound? I really like this, although. The more I listen to it, the more I think this opening kind of sounds like you're know, traveling music if you're playing like a video game, like oh, yeah. someone like Mario Kart and you're going through the <laughs> desert and then the train's coming. What was that one called? Mario Kart with the train. Ugh. Yeah, they're through Cloud the desert. City. Nah, train city. Through the desert. I did well to remember one of the levels there, I think. Mimi Farm. Rainbow Road. Oh, there's that maple syrup voice. It is maple syrup. That's oh. Mossy from now on. We should. Also, we're also going to see Mossy play a solo. Oh yeah. I'm. I'm not sitting with you. I'm sitting by myself. I am. <laughs> Roel. Excellent. Elfalooza. Elfalooza. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> really walked Self- into that. <laughs> <laughs> and then we had so. That's obviously quite a different. That's a great one. That's also, I think, the first kind of more upbeat song that Mossy sings. Yeah, like but it's still bit, not... This bit he goes up a up an octave. Yep. And all the other ones I was still sing wouldn't, wouldn't, call it, like, wouldn't call it upbeat, fast. though, yeah. But compared to the other ones that are like the real yeah. slow... Yeah, the ones Jimmy low. wouldn't sing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then, so, track three is where the first single comes in, Choir Girl. It's iconic. Keys, I find that intro. The piano on this album is a lot more significant. Yeah. Like it wasn't faded in the previous, but this one, I think. Yeah, I think it's like you can hear. Have they brought up you can, you, the feature of the instrumentation a bit more or something? Or am I imagining that? I don't know. <laughs> She's crying like a refugee. This film clip's interesting because it's. 
quite a sad song. Yeah. Regardless if you know the true meaning behind it, it still just doesn't sound like a nice, like a happy song. Um, but Jimmy Barnes... Crying Barnes's, like a refugee. Yeah. You don't find joy in yeah. it? <laughs> um, but the film clip, I think, is them in, like, in, in suits, actually. Right. Um, just singing in a studio. But Jimmy Barnes is, like, smirking the whole time. So I always find it really odd to watch. We'll add a we'll add a link to it in the in the notes in the yeah. description. I want yeah I don't know if I've even seen that because I, I really, imagine really do you think strange. he's smirking because he's like no one knows what this is about. I think he's smirking because he's probably cooked off his face <laughs> <laughs> and he's like don't give it away. <laughs> yeah, play cool. Yeah, put on a dumb smile then they won't know. <laughs> yeah. So this is uh, Barnsley's song Rising Sun which we're talking about. Uh, this next one's a rockabilly song. Yeah. And pay no attention to me. So this is about his girlfriend Jane. It is. Jane. Every so four tracks so different. Yeah, so different so far. That's what also I think might it almost plays like a greatest hits because yeah, there's because such variety. And yeah. it almost sounds like they've all come from a different place, but I think that's also because you know, so far we've heard songs written by three different yeah. songwriters in the first four tracks as well. This, I think this is Jimmy's first solo credit as yep, a writer. that's right. Um, I like the discussion he's got, or the, the description I suppose he's got in his book about it. Um, so good. Um, They're still was, together too. They are. Jane they've and got, Jimmy. They've got many kids and many grandkids now. Many tin lids, tin lids, as they say. Yes. Bit of rhyming slang there. Good old <laughs> rhyming. Another thing the Australians have stolen from <laughs> yeah. anyone else. Um, but Jimmy talking about writing the song, he was obviously devastated because Jane had moved back to her parents in Japan. Um, and he writes a song about it and he says, so I grabbed my only guitar, a black and white Fender Telecaster, uh, which he bought because it looked like the one that Bruce B- Springsteen was playing on the cover of Born to Run. <laughs> like he's looked at that cover and he's like, yeah, he, I need that. Yeah, I found that interesting because the, uh, the first time I saw, I've seen Bruce Springsteen play a couple of times. Mm. The first time I saw him, Jimmy Barnes was supporting and oh. Mossy came out and played a song with him oh, as well. Oh, what? It was great. It was such a good day. It was out at Hanging Rock. Yeah, sort of near yes. where I was born out near Kyneton oh, in yeah. Country Vic. And it was such a good day. That would have been fucking excellent. And I hadn't really connected because I always sort of quietly thought, you know, in a lot of ways, Jimmy Barnes is Australia's. I yeah, to I didn't Bruce. know if I was just being like a, you know, working. Young they're both the sort of the heroes of the yeah. working class. But I always thought that that was like the Australian equivalent is Jimmy Barnes. Like, yeah. So when when people are like, you know, what, how could we describe Cold Chisel or Jimmy Barnes to? anyone else, it'd be Bruce Springsteen, but Scottish, but also Australian. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, yeah, way, in a lot of ways, way more Australian. Yeah. <laughs> um, in his, like, his musical style and stuff yeah. and the things he sings about. But also, yeah, he's clearly, like he's, you could, would have heard before, he's really held on to the Scottish accent, even though yeah. he moved over when he was quite young. He was like four or five or something. Um, and, uh, yeah, but, yeah, it is interesting that he's, uh, he, was clearly a little bit influenced by Bruce Springsteen. Not, mm. I don't think particularly musically. Like no. their musical styles don't have a lot in common. No. But in the book he did say quite early on that uh, Don Walker introduced him to Bruce Springsteen, mm-hmm. or the, his music, not personally, um, <laughs> giving him like very early on. Because I don't think we really mentioned this either. Jimmy Barnes was 16 when he joined the band. Uh, I reckon so, we threw it in early. But, yeah, he was So at, at very, this very point young. he's he's still only... 
like 22, 23. Yeah, he's a young bloke. And he's it's, it's wild to me. And then um, sort of figuring that out, you go, oh, this some of this stuff makes sense, you know. It, it would be kind of wild behavior to be uh, chasing chasing your girlfriend to her parents' place in Japan. You go, oh, yeah, that that's not the behavior of a 45-year-old man. But in my head, I'm here in this book. I'm picturing current Jimmy Barnes sort of. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah fuck you guys. <laughs> her parents Bailing. saying you have to stay in separate bedrooms. Like, okay. Okay. Uh, okay, so the next track, track five, is My Baby, which is uh, another one of the singles. This is the one that was the first single in America. That's right. Feel small. And I, lo- I love another mo- Mossy Led. Oh, the bass. But I also, I love, oh, love how Mossy sings with his own beautiful. guitar. Yeah, yes. It's a, the melody, he plays a melody on the guitar that he sings. Does that make sense? It's a real yeah. musician talk now. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the guitar is... A couple of classic is, uh... musos. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, legend has it that as a result of the runaway success of this single, Phil Small became so self-conscious of his writing that he never submitted another complete song. Really? Yeah. He didn't want to ruin the hot streak. Yeah, he was just... This is the, the bit where the first verse here where he... Does Mossy sing his chisel songs at his solo shows? I think so, yeah. So we're going to... If he doesn't... Oh, if might he plays this cold, twice if he plays, um, in a few months. Bo River, I'll cry. It's next month, isn't it? Oh, I think he's, it's he's only guaranteed, like guaranteed to play Bo River, I'd What's say. the date today? We are recording today on the 30th of October. Oh, you've really dated this podcast. We are... <laughs> 2025. <laughs> um, and we are seeing him... <laughs> I think we're seeing him in like two and a half weeks. Wow, oh. sick. Oh, that's exciting. We'll, we'll, we'll do an episode about it. We'll give a It'll definite just be update both about that. <laughs> <Yep. laughs> it was so good. Now, so that the next track is one that um, until earlier this year when I started playing this album over and over again, mm. I, I don't think I'd ever heard it. And now it is one of my all-time favourite tracks. And people will already recognise the intro because it's what I've been using as the intro uh, for the show while we're waiting for Evan Munro-Smith to pen us a, an original <laughs> yeah. intro tune. But um, anyway, it's just it just goes bang straight off the top. So this is a Don Walker. I'm in the same boat. Didn't Hadn't heard it until we did this. That's, and then it just wails on the guitar. This is, it just goes bang straight off the top. <laughs> yeah, they're not here to fuck spiders on this one. That's right. And then he brings it down. And then it's sort of this, this bass here. Oh, listen to her walking along. That's a real head bopper. Sweet. It gets in this sweet groove, yeah. And then brings it up for these choruses that are big, sort of sing along, but it's back and forth between Mossy and Barnsley. Yeah. And then, oh, I yeah, just want to play the whole song. On this one is do yourself a favour, go out and listen to this track. Start to finish, on loud. Just got to get to the bit where Mossy and yeah. sing. But then there's this bit toward, you know, the bridge? Yeah, yeah. Sick. The whole oh, song. Just hot, yeah. And it's an album track. I don't want to know about tomorrow. I don't want to know about tomorrow. Oh, no. 
Yeah, oh right. yeah, it's so I, good. I, it's so I, good. I, it's a trap. I was going to play that whole song, but I, I'll get out of it. <laughs> we'll just sing it to you. <laughs> um, Sorry about that. And then yeah, that uh, that's oh, such a good song. Lyrics so are amazing, good. and the um, everything about it, I just fucking love it yep. so much. Yep. It, it is a bona fide banger. Banger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving that one sixty nine zups. <laughs> What's 69? I'm not sure. It's not at all Negative. a sexy song. <laughs> Negative one on the cold chisel oh, scale. That that's is how ice good it cold. Is. Yep. Ice. Uh, so that's the first half of the album. That's the, the front half. We're going to flip, flip, it, flip the vinyl. Flip the vinyl. Did you um, know that the plural of vinyl is vinyl? I, uh, many vinyl. Mm. I did, a I stack don't, of vinyl. A stack of vinyl. Oh, yeah, oh, you're right. A box of I vinyl. don't think I did realize that. I uh, used to work at a big retail store with. Yellow and black is their colours. Yellow are, and black. Hey, yeah, it was Richmond. I worked for Richmond. Good. Good um, talks. And uh, one of the old uh, music coordinators who was a rock and old bloke uh, called Mills uh, who wore double denim every day of the week. And oh, had yeah. the He had a like, like shoulder length. No, not really. It's not <laughs> Too cool taste. for Barnsey. Too cool for Barnsey. Damn it. But he used to have this um, shoulder length grey mullet, almost mullet. Like he'd got the length not quite right, but he brushed it back so it sat like a mullet. So far, loving his style, loving this picture you're painting. Didn't move, no matter how fast he moved, did not move. Uh, But he heard me call it vinyls once and ooh, did I get a talking to about that? (laughs) Well, I'm glad. I'm glad he set you straight. (laughs) Thanks, Mills. (laughs) (laughs) I heard um, that was one that Barnsley mentioned before tomorrow as well. He said that he, he didn't write it, but he... Fully knew what this song was about. Oh, did he? I don't. He didn't want to know about tomorrow. You know, partying oh, for yeah. tonight well, and duh. It just, we just, you know, not try not to think too far ahead and that sort of stuff. Just live in the now, man. We should. We're taking a bit of time with this. We normally we? move through them a bit quicker. All right. So on the back side of the of the vinyl, the vinyl, plural vinyl, uh, <laughs> cheap wine. So this is another one of the big singles. Is this the again? Baby, that was years ago. This is, this is maybe one of the outside of Kaysan. Maybe this is the next one you're likely to hear at, at, yep. at the pub. Or at a great. Um, anyway. I don't know. It's got a good like a good beat in the chorus. Yeah, chorus is big. We're gonna get to that. I'll, I think it. For my Come on! <laughs> All right, then you had Best Kept Lies. So this is this is Mossy again, isn't it? Best Kept Lies. This is another another track that I found was it. And this is a Steve Prestwich. Oh, it's a Steve Prestwich. Yeah, this one was a, maybe the hardest one I've found to get into. Is this another Moss, Mossy? This is a Mossy, yeah. I'm guessing that maybe this was one that Barnsley said, not for me. Maybe. Yeah. Also, this is more of like an um, organ-y. Mm. More organ rather than piano. Like, you know, all the other ones are like that real old rock and roll, like piano, piano. Yeah. As opposed to the non-piano, piano. <laughs> yeah. But this one's more like an organ. Uh, that's it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fine. It's just another totally different song from the rest. And then after this, you've got uh, one of my other favourites from the album. It's like an album track that 
kind of broken through, I think you'll hear. You probably hear this on the radio occasionally. It's called this Ida. Was, um, this was one of the ones that was included on the All For You. Right. And it was Great one sense. of the um, fan-chosen tracks. I think, yeah, it's, it's a cracker. They rarely play it live, I think. Oh. Anymore. Oh, but I hope we see it next year. And it's a, it's a love letter to... I'm guessing... To Ida Buttress. Ida who's now the... The boss of our national broadcast for ABC. She is. But at the time, she was the head of uh, Clio. Clio magazine. So she, uh, Ida Butrose, is an Australian journalist, businesswoman, television personality, and author. Uh, she was the founding editor of Clio, which was a high circulation magazine aimed at women between 20 and 40 uh, that was frank about sexuality and in its infancy featured nude male centerfolds. Um, and she was later the editor of the more conventional Australian Women's Weekly. Um, but Cleo at the time was very, um, like, forward-thinking and very, um, you know, modern in its uh, discussion about uh, female sexuality. Yeah, right. Uh, because at that stage it wasn't really, you know, it was pushed under the, doesn't exist essentially, right. God forbid. I, yeah, I still wasn't aware that it existed until you just said it then. Surprise. Right. <laughs> 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 I reckon that's a cracker song. She, yeah, she's sort of a, she's an Australian media legend. She'd be like on the Mount Rushmore of Australian media. Um, yeah, yeah, pretty high up on it. Her, her and Kerry Packer I think and Ray she, Martin. Oh, crap. What a, what and, a trio. Um, uh, who would else be there? Carrie Ann Kennelly. Cack. Cack. <laughs> <laughs> Once someone tried to pick me up when I was at a pub in Sydney and their line was that their mum was Carrie Ann Kennelly. What? I still don't know if it was true or not. Anyway, um, and then after that, Star Hotel, we're in the last three tracks, and it's just bangers right to the end. Yeah, we're still going so on So Star Hotel, this is about the the one we are talking about with the riot yeah, at the Newcastle I've, pub. I've just had a quick squiz at it. Um, so the Star Hotel uh, was a pub in Newcastle. Um the riot was on the night of the 19th of September, 79, where an estimated 4,000 people fought with 4, police. 4,000 people? Yeah, yeah. Holy Is it, shit. That would have been all of Newcastle at that stage. Um, oh, so the no. Star Hotel was a pub and live music venue that catered to young people, gays and merchant seamen. Uh, it also featured drag shows and live music in all genres. Um, yeah. <laughs> I tried to push past it, but I just, yeah. <laughs> it's full of semen. Um, the star was run down and attracted negative attention from authorities, uh, and so the owners decided to close the bar with only one week's notice, uh, Notice inspiring a protest campaign, uh, with the 19th being its final night. Um, the final night featured live music and free beer, uh, and from about 10pm, the police interrupted a band in the middle of the last song. Huh. Uh, and demanded that everyone leave immediately, creating hostile reactions. Last song. Let them play out the last yeah, song, you dogs. Let them play. Uh, now nah, the police do a great job. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sounds like not in that case, though. It's Read gonna... the room, you idiots. Yeah, come on, guys. 4,000 people. And this, you know, the fact that in the, what, late 70s, there was a pub in Newcastle that... To... Which is a super like a steel workers town. Yeah, like a real, real rough as nails type of thing, and to have LGBT entertainment. Yeah. Um, and then to have it shut down is pretty. You know, I think that's a significant uh, point to acknowledge. Right. Do you think it, the song itself is like 
So it's a slightly different vocal style from Barnes. Mm. It's like he's singing right at the really at the top end of top, his range. Top, the high end, yeah. Another cracker. Then we've got um, probably the slowest sort of ballad one. This is another one I didn't, I wasn't aware of, but it's a um, sort of about isolation in prison. It's called Four Walls, oh. and it almost plays like a, a Christmas tune to me. A little, yeah. They might have. Does he mention Christmas Eve maybe in the song? Potentially. Yeah. Really, I. This one I did know because it was on the greatest hits that I'd listened to a lot. Oh, right. Um, the light, yeah, the one I had was single disc, and I think your one was a double. Double. Yeah. Double, double. Uh, another thing, another reason why... That six years age gap between yeah. us. Even though we're in the same generation, <laughs> yeah. your generation and their privilege, their mm-hmm. double CD privilege. <laughs> um, so I, I re- I'd say outside of... There's only two tracks on this that I I don't fully love, and I think they're fine. Never before and best kept lies. They're just probably I don't know for whatever reason they don't really get into me. But the rest are just absolute classics. And there then it, Christmas comes around. Oh thing. right. So it's this um on purpose. I can't find the uh, quote in the book, but Jimmy talks about this song started as something slightly different, um, and it was one of those songs that Don was really good at holding onto something when he knew it wasn't ready. Right. So he'd kind of put this to the band and was like, look, I'm not sure, blah, blah, blah. And it was like another year or two before um, he was kind of re-inspired. This one's the Bathurst riots, which was a police oh, uh, prison riot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the petrol heads getting loose. Bathurst is where that's like the, the big, one of the big motor races in Australia. Yeah. Uh, every know. October. Is it cars or motorbike? I don't even cars. know. Cars. Oh. V8 supercars. Just Doing some surfing. Ford versus Holden. Oh. Mate versus mate. State versus state. <laughs> Neither of them made the in blue Australia. oval versus the red circle. <laughs> well, the red, the line. Red, yeah. I don't know. Blue uh, versus red. <laughs> blue versus red. Blue um, being the good guys. Can't Ford. Nah, go Holden. Oh, you grew up in a, in a Commodore family. Or um, a Holden family. That's funny. I was yeah, actually, always yeah, been a Falcon man. Well, Rest they, in um, peace, Falcons. Yeah, rip. Uh, Holden Commodores and then the Holden Jackaroo, which is the right. first car I left to drive in. I wonder if that's still a thing, if families still have brand loyalty. My cars, dad my dro- first car, I bought a, a Falcon now, so on, no. p- on purpose. Did I you? went out and got a, I'm like, I'm getting a Falcon. Since then, I've sort of bought the cars I could afford, uh, right. including my little sister's uh, Kia Rio. Yeah, Kia Rio. <laughs> For two grand. It's, it's lived a good life. And it's, it's holding on. I dro- my first car was a Peugeot that I bought in, I think, in October-ish. And so I didn't realise until the following April that the heater didn't work. Oh. So I went five years with no heater uh, and a Spider-Man blanket in the back seat for when it got real cold. Yeah, like a Nana blanket while you're driving. That's yeah, fun. Yeah. I was at a, I did a but gig. But it was Spider-Man, so it was cool, Oh, right? that is cool. Spider-Man's, oh, yeah, obviously <laughs> cool. Comic books are cool these days. I, I did a gig last week at a pub and... It was the first hot, you know, when it, that last week it was like 33, 34 yeah. degrees. And it was sweltering inside. And I said to someone at the bar, I'm like, geez, it's warm in here. And he goes, yeah, we bought the place 
in the winter time, oh, and we're finding oh. out today that the air conditioning doesn't work. Oh no! Unlucky. It, tips for buying houses and cars. Yeah. Check your heating and your cooling. Oh, you get me if you need. You make purchase. I'll come by and I'll check their heating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's one of my few skills, sort of. And then finally, <laughs> we're getting back. It just it bookends this album with bangers, but it closes with the the biggest rock banger on the album and, and Barnes's second written song. The bangerness. Uh, my turn to cry. It's it's Does a this, banger. I don't know if it's just the those very opening chords, but it reminds me of an ACDC song. Just can't remember what it is right now. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because they, they really came out of the same, a lot of very similar place they see yeah. in a lot of ways. The relationships that like Jimmy and Bon Scott had and, you know, yeah. they're both Scottish crossing, immigrants and all this sort of stuff. in a few different bands and stuff Exactly, well. they sang for the same bands. But there's there's not, Culture's a way more dynamic sounding band than, than ACDC. Or Prepare Hate was. Mail. Oh, no, I'm not saying ACDC is bad, but they... They really, they have a zone they, they and they stick sound. to it. Yeah. Whereas Chisel muck around a lot. Well, this album just in itself is a pretty good example of yeah. the breadth. Anyway, that, that's tracks, that's a banger as well. That is a banger. There's, um, I should say about uh, that track, they, um, I said, I think in a previous episode, the Countdown, which is an important Australian mm-hmm. music show on the ABC Countdown. back then. And he, uh, uh, they they didn't really look after Chisel a lot, but I said they were never on there. But they did give them some play, and they did on the last album they played their uh, title track, Breakfast at Sweethearts, mm-hmm. on or they mimed it at least. Um, but then when East was so huge, they really wanted them to be on to um, on their awards night, the Countdown Awards, and they eventually um, agreed to do it. But they said we'll choose the song and we have to play live, and apparently. Countdown weren't particularly happy about it. They're like, that's not really how we do it, but if that's the only way you're going to do it, that's how you do it. And they, so they played and they played that song, um, My Turn to Cry, mm-hmm. which is an album track, and they changed the lyrics. They did. So they were taking pot shots at Countdown as a show. And then afterwards, or oh, do you have a bit of about there? Uh, in Jimmy's book, there's a few bits and pieces about it, but essentially they bought uh, cheap guitars and um, cheap gear and everything. So pretty much halfway through, and then they they, they smashed the absolute. But they made it up to look like yeah, so um, it, looked, it was legit gear. Yeah, yeah, like putting stickers and shit on it. Yeah, crashed the absolute shit out of it. Uh, the lyrics was uh, or the last lyric, or he mentions in here. Um, I never saw you at the Astra Hotel. I never saw you at the Largs Pier Hotel. I never saw you down on Fitzroy Street. And now you want to use my face to sell TV Week, which is all names of places they'd played at yep. when uh, Countdown were not supporting them. I, I do like that idea, though. It's like, why weren't you at this gig? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How dare you? Five years ago. <laughs> um, I like the end, though. He said, uh, Mossy's guitar was the last thing to be seen. Uh, banged to the floor, barely missing Molly as he walked out. Molly Meldrum, the host. Post the countdown, yeah. Um, and then what was it? We walked off stage and straight out the back door, giggling like schoolboys, and left. So <laughs> funny. You can just kind of imagine that being the, a thing. <laughs> yeah, totally. There was um, 
on his on his audio book. Mm-hmm. I'll just play the start of one of the chapters. He sort of the countdown theme theme is like this drum beat. Yeah. And at the start of the chapter, he sings it. Listen to this. Is how he starts the chapter about that story. Chapter twelve. Do yourself a favor. Countdown. Nineteen seventy eight, seventy nine. Diggity 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 um, on the farm or something. It's probably so his funny. dog sitting in his feet just looking at him like, what the fuck? <laughs> so good. So should we, so what we've been building, if you listen to the first time, we're building a, a like an unofficial greatest hits where we take out all the tracks from the, the big greatest hits albums and, mm-hmm. and pick two per album. I think mine, I was thinking it was going to be hard. Well, it kind of is hard, but I tomorrow's a lock for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm also, I think I'm going to go with, the closing track, My Turn to Cry. I just think those two tracks are bangers. I thought the same thing at the start. I was like, this is going to be hard because there's not that many songs that we can choose from. That's right. Yeah, about half of them are, are on Greatest Hits albums. More, yeah. I reckon more than. Yeah. Um, but now I'm struggling to narrow it to two. So I actually really love Never Before. Oh, great. Um, and I've got tomorrow as well. So it's the first time we've had a match. It's that, a match. We did it. Um, oh, well, that makes it a, even better that that's the uh, theme, opening theme of the show, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that you actually like it. Um, but my turn to cry, the more I listen to it, the more I love it as well. Yeah. So I'm, it missed out, but only very narrow. Oh, this is, narrowly. so this has been our closest to consensus. Yeah. Oh, great. Well, and I should say um, we haven't done it yet, but I'll make uh, a Spotify account for this show oh, and we'll sick. start a playlist for both of our unofficial yes. greatest hits and we'll probably and um, we'll just have all the um, a few different chisel um, playlists on there for people if you want to get into them if you haven't heard much of them before potentially uh, I guess we we should start wrapping up but what kind of score are you going to give it your system was uh, the closer to zero closer to, to freezing temperature yeah, how how cold is your chisel? Yeah. Um, I gave this album a two. Two. Which is pretty darn cold. That's very chilly. I'm giving it a one. Ooh. One degree. So this is freezing. And you gave it a two. So both of us, this is our favorite one so far. Mm-hmm. I actually both of us have gone. Um, this is our favorite. Then Breakfast at Sweetheart, second favorite. And self-titled third favorite. Yeah. So, so we're saying they're improving with every album, with at every least in album. Our, our eyes. Um, and just for for anyone with Instagram, uh, on our Instagram, I've made some highlights with our album rankings and our alternative hits. So each week, as the podcast gets released, I'll add another little highlight, so you know where we're standing with all oh, of the nice albums. One. Yeah. With so some you, really sick uh, photoshopping. You're you're doing a bit on all the social medias. What? Mm-hmm. Uh, what? So the handle is Listen Now Pod, and mm-hmm. that's on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Correct. And you can also email us if you've got any sort of stories about Chisel, or if, if maybe even if you're hearing them for the first time because of this podcast, and you've got some thoughts on uh, what your you know first impressions are. Let us know, and that email address is listennowpod at gmail Nice. Have we had any? We Let have. We've got a couple that have come in. Uh, firstly, we've got uh, Sophie Waldron. Oh, cool. Uh, I know Sophie. She's oh, mate, come Sophie? to a few of my live pods from other shows. Has she? 
great podcast supporter. Yeah, uh, first our first email in as well. So on your so. Thank you. Um, so her email, hey guys, I went to the 2011 Light the Nitro tour uh, and I think about it every time I hear cheap wine. Before they played it, Barnsley told a story about a fan who wrote a letter to their band years ago after seeing them live. Hmm. She was furious that Barnsley had sung the wrong lyrics and she wanted him to know that that wasn't was okay. Off, it was the off chop. No, it gets better. She then reminded, in quotation marks, him that the correct lyric was a cheap wine and a three-legged goat. <laughs> was she the one who started? Because that's kind of that's a famous misheard lyric, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Cheap wine and a three-legged goat um, instead of three-day growth. Instead of, yeah. Well, to be fair, I thought it was that until I was about 20-something. Did you write Jimmy Barnes a letter? Um, <laughs> it was a sad point of mine. <laughs> uh, they then started playing that song, and when it got to the chorus, Barnsley sang the new correct lyrics. Uh, oh, Barnsley. says, I just about lost it. I still can't believe the confidence this woman had to assume that he'd sung it, in, sung it wrong and yeah. didn't for a moment stop to think that she could have just misheard it. I love, I love the confidence of a letter writer. Anyone who... Love know. a solid letter. Uh, My grandmother-in-law is an absolute... Dead set, solid letter writer. All right. She will. She wrote a letter to her granddaughter because she did not like the name of her granddaughter's new baby girl. <laughs> oh, that's not. That's no good. Come on, Nan. Yeah, it's great. And her life goal is to. Get I'm her guessing letter. that's not our our um, common Nana. Uh, no, it is not. That would be. I'd be impressed if she could, though. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, did you say there was another letter? We did. So this is from Sam Long from Seymour, Wisconsin. Oh, Hello, USA. I, I was wondering if uh, non-Aussies would, would listen in. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, home of the hamburger he's got in brackets here. Really? Apparently. I thought that was Hamburg. But that. <laughs> what the hell would I know? I don't know. Hamburg probably means something know. else in German. We stole everything else, so we're not ones to judge anyway. No, certainly not. Uh, Matt and Sam, thank you for introducing me to Cold Chisel. Oh, Yay, cool. new listener. You're welcome, Cold Chisel. Sponsor us. Please let me t- give me a ticket. <laughs> we're sponsored by Cold Chisel. <laughs> <laughs> to talk about Cold Chisel. Uh, really digging their debut album. I am from America. We have Wikipedia here, but it is pronounced Wakapedonia. Thank you. Uh, and I have never heard of them. After getting into Tism on Max re- Matt's recommendation, uh, I'm excited to get some new music to check out. It's a nice, cool three degrees for me here. Uh, it talks a bit about some other bits and pieces. Um, great first few episodes. Excited to learn more. Have a great day. Or as Jimmy would say, ah! <laughs> Let's see if Jim- <laughs> Jimmy does have anything to say to you, Sam. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Jimmy, so settle loud. down, mate. <laughs> That's how excited he was that Sam was communicating. <laughs> I tried singing this in the car and I just started coughing because it ripped my throat to shreds. <laughs> so good. <laughs> the bloke in the car next to me was not impressed. Thanks so much for writing in, Sam. Sam Long from Seymour, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Hello, Wisconsin. Hello, Wisconsin. <laughs> That's great. Well, that probably is about time for us to wrap up this episode. Beauty. Um, if yeah, if you do uh, want to get into our mailbag, which we should call "Letters to Alan" because there's a, a song Alan. on the next on the next album oh, called "Letters to Alan," Letters love to Alan, it, which is a banging track as well. Beaut. Uh, but yeah, so follow us on the social medias. Get in contact for any reason. Like and subscribe. Tell your friends. Uh, get involved any way you like. I can't. I'm not good at wrapping up, am I? No. We do have a we do have a sign off now though. Oh, that we great. Can, that we can. <laughs> awkwardly end with. Perfect. (laughs)
Let me. Well, oh yes, good yep. idea. <laughs> uh, so thanks so much for listening, everyone. We'll catch you next week. Goodbye, Astrid. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>